Feel free to email us at carefullytaughtpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at carefullytaughtpodcast. So I am so excited about our guest today, um, the the chair of musical theater at the New York Film Academy's I mean, their musical theater program, which Onstage Blog recently ranked in the top musical theater programs in the country. She was an original cast member of the uh, the Broadway production that you might have heard of called Wicked, where she understudied Tony Award winner Adina Menzel, ultimately taking over the role of Elphaba for most of the Chicago sit-down run of that same show. Uh, she also appeared on Broadway in Finding Neverland and in the Mark Shaman adaptation of the Ch Chocolate Factory show. Um, but I still think that her greatest performance to date was as a 14-year-old Rizzo in Greece, opposite my Eugene. Um, also, I, I gotta say that the singing cat on a pirate ship in the unauthorized uh, Broadway review that she and I did in high school was also tremendous, goes down <laughs> in history. Despite all of her success, uh, she, she still responds to my text messages, which I can't say for all of my famous friends, um, but she, she's been a dear friend of mine for almost 30 years, Christy, 30 years. What? Um, more now, than 30 years. More, yes, and, and, and uh, so years. 31, you counted. So uh, I got to say your name. Uh, so Christy Cates, welcome to Carefully Taught Teaching Musical Theater with Maddie and Kikau. Thank you so much for having me. So um, one of the things that is so interesting about your situation is because you teach at a school in New York City, um, despite having a, a, a daughter and all of these other responsibilities, you still manage a professional career in a way that a lot of people in our, in our, that are teaching aren't able to do. And, and I have been astonished because you've literally been in, in Broadway shows while teaching full-time. How the heck does that work? <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you again for having me and for that lovely introduction. Um, you know, it, it, that time is, is a bit of a blur, if I'm, if I'm honest with you. I, um, it, was, it was very important to me um, to continue my job as an educator while also pursuing opportunities. So I was very lucky to um, become part of the faculty here way back in 2009. And I remember my first class, I was doing a show uh, in 2009. I was doing a show in, um, gosh, I think I was in Houston. And it meant so much to me that I would fly back on the day off teach my class and then fly back to the show. Because what I found was that my passion for teaching was equal to my passion for performing. And you've known me a long time, Maddie. I'm not a person who likes to just settle. I always, um, I always 
think that I can do it all. Sometimes I can, and sometimes I fail spectacularly. Um, but I, I also think that um, despite the fact that we are divorced, um, I, I married the right person for my lifestyle, which was um, still managing everything, but being able to do a lot of things while he was um, happy to, he also was working, but spend a lot of time with our daughter. So if I had not had such an, a supportive spouse, there's absolutely no way that I could have done that. So I do want to give, give Patrick a shout out for that. Um, but, you know, I, I, um, there was a lot of understanding on the part of the school in terms of scheduling my classes. Um, I have always had a laptop through the school. So I did a lot of my work backstage of both uh, Finding Neverland and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. When I was off stage, I was working on my laptop. Um, and my job at that time, so, so let's, let's take it back here. So I became creative director of this program at, at NIFA in 2014. Um, and it was a few short months before I learned that I was pregnant. So um, that, that, was, that was interesting um, to, to first of all balance being pregnant and having a small child with also a, a job like I had as creative director here in our program. Um, and then nine months after Grace was born, nine months later is when I booked Finding Neverland. And um, I don't really have a secret to it other than I had to be organized. I had to be um, in each moment fully. Obviously, I was thinking of, of other things while I was um, any, in any particular moment, but I, I really did. It was an exercise in being present. Um, I understand that sounds contradictory because I was doing work while I was off stage of a Broadway show, but when I was in the classroom, I was focused on my students. When I was with my family, I was focused on them. And when I was on stage, I was focused on that. Um, it was, I'm not gonna lie to you, exhausting. Um, but I did that for, for three years. I did, I did um, Neverland into the off-Broadway production of Marvelous Wonderettes and then right into Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So um, I was tired a lot, but my gosh, who am I to complain? I had a beautiful child and I was living the dream on stage. And then also, as I said, pursuing that passion of teaching off stage. So I just feel like when someone really wants something or multiple things, you find a way to make it happen. And, and I was lucky enough to be surrounded by humans on, on every side of it that were supportive of the other things that I was doing. Yeah. It's so amazing to have the opportunity to, um really have a direct, a direct connection between your classroom and, and perhaps what your students are pursuing to, to want to be on that stage. I think that's so great. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, I always like to bring the conversation to the students directly, like what, if at all, has evolved over the years as, as, as your students, as your student body, what has been serving them in the most recent um, iteration of your program? I think there are um, many different answers to that. I think a great, I think there are two 
three very specific, wonderful things about our program and our classrooms that I would like to touch on. Uh, the first is that we are an international program. So uh, I taught my voiceover class earlier this morning and I had a, I have a student from China, Germany, Colombia, Spain, Mexico, and Canada in that class, right? And um, what I think is so interesting about that is that even though every single person has a very different story, just, just the same as they would if they all grew up even in the same town in Indiana, um, they're bringing such varied experience to the table, which I think allows us in our classrooms a broader look into the human condition, which after all is, is what it's all about. Um, so I, I think that the fact that not only are the teachers learning from their students uh, in many ways, but you know, a, a student who grew up in, um, gosh, Russia is not going to have the same uh, uh, background as a student from who grew up maybe on Long Island, right? So, so there is creating a vocabulary that is universal um, because at the end of the day, everyone's there for the same reason. Everyone has the same passion. Um, it's just about appreciating more fully their viewpoint on things. Um, and I think the students obviously also benefit from that. And, you know, if I can brag for a moment, I mean, we have a student who was with us many years ago from Lebanon and there's like no musical theater in Lebanon. He went back and he has created a huge theater company that does, I mean, spectacular shows. He has brought musical theater to Lebanon where there was there was none, and it's um, amazing what our where students have gone on to do. So that's the that's the first thing. The second is um, our program uh, does a lot of different things. Um, in that, I mean, we we do obviously all of the musical theater foundation stuff. We do singing, dancing, and acting, and we dive into those things. Um, you know, uh, in, in various ways, but we also do this voiceover class. Um, and I teach the students, you know, all the skills I've learned as a voiceover artist over the last almost 20 years where I have been lucky enough to find success um, and, you know, pay my rent doing that when I didn't have a teaching gig or an acting gig. Uh, we do, um, we do uh, work on if you're, you know, if you have the opportunity to go in for a print job, how do you handle yourself? Uh, and of course we do extensive acting on film classes. So I really, I really here want my students to be ready for whatever opportunity comes their way. Because I, I know when I was in college, I was singularly focused on Broadway, on musical theater. And little did I know that my success within the arts would come in many sh shapes and forms. And, um, and so that's, that's important to me that our students, I, I always say, diversify their performing portfolio. Um, so that's the second thing. And then the third is simply that, you know, we're, we're here in New York City and not only do all of us have extensive performance, uh, you know, performance history ourselves, we've been there, we, we are um, teaching from a practical and theoretical point of view, which I think makes, makes this program 
unique, but also like you were saying, right? My students, I'd be in song interpretation class with them. And then they're like, oh, by the way, I'm coming to your matinee tomorrow. Um, you know, and I'm like, great, I'll sign you up, come backstage. And so I, I got to sort of practice what I preach on a, on a daily basis. So, you know, I, I think our students benefit from, from all of those things. And, and also, you know, I really, I strive to, to run a program that is not a break you down to build you up program. I know that 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 used to unfortunately be the norm. And I know so many of my contemporaries now are doing the total opposite. I mean, if I know anything about Maddie Miller, he is absolutely not breaking people down to build them up. Um, and so that's that's something I think that our our generation of educators is focused on. And I, I think that's um, important. Um, there's so many things that you just talked about that I want to follow up on, and I'm going to circle back to that last one because it's actually a conversation that I'm, I'm really interested to having, in having with you in particular. Um, but before, before we get there, you talked about this being an international program, and, and that is something that is so unique about, about your program. And I, I'm curious how that came about. Like, I think everybody, not everybody, I think there are a lot of people that are striving to be more diverse and more inclusive in their musical theater education programs. Um, and they're going about it from a very US centric kind of way. But your program since the beginning, well, since you have been associated with it and I've been following it, it really, you, like you said, all of these people from around the, the world, how do they find you? How does that, how did that happen? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I don't know that I have the exact answer to it, to be honest with you. Um, but it is something that has always been in the New York Film Academy um, philosophy, you know? Uh, so it's not just my program. I mean, uh, we have two uh, student filmmakers here from Uganda. We have a, um, I believe it was also a filmmaking student from Chechnya. I mean, we, we, we have our, our walls here are, 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 um, we hold within these walls, such culture, such cultural diversity that it's, um, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. It has changed me as a human. It has changed me as a human. Um, I think I think the, the 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 school does a really good job of outreach. We have programs. I've been lucky enough to teach for the New York Film Academy in London, in Rio, and in Florence, um, as well as all over the United States. So we have a campus in Florence. We have a campus um, in Australia. We have affiliates. I mean, all over the world. We we New York Film Academy is an international company, international school. And so we benefit from that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have to do a lot of work on that end. Um, we have wonderful admissions counselors and teams that, that really do such a great job of getting the word out there. And, and then, you know, my program, I mean, you do have to audition and I, you know, you do, you are accepted or denied by a, a panel of, of, you know, of uh, adjudicators. Is that the right word? Adjudicators? Sure. Um, <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I have seen some fascinating auditions and, and what I try to do truly when I'm watching those is not 
look at any sort of finished product because frankly, um, you know, a student from, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm just picking a country, Chile, is not going to have the same opportunity and experience as a student from London. So when I'm watching, I'm not looking for finished products. I think I, I want to pat myself on the back as a person who really sees raw talent and understands that I'm, I'm not um, accepting a person into my program to fit any sort of type, just not, just simply not interested in that whatsoever. I'm, I'm interested in the individual and, and what I and others in this department um, can um, help them discover. Kikat, can I follow up? Um, yeah, go for it. So you talked about this whole uh, not breaking people down thing. And one of the things that um, is unique about you and I is that we had a lot of the same theater teachers, like at, yeah. at multiple levels, like children's theater, high school, um, university, like we share a lot of ancestry in terms of where we came from through and like the musical theater training thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to name names or, or, or throw specific people under the bus, but, you know, beyond the breaking people down to build them up, there, there was a certain harshness and, and, and uh, uh, dare I say, cruelty um, in a lot of our shared theater training. Um, and like you said, it wasn't unique to us. This was just how things used to be done. One of the things, and Kiko, I'd love for you to chime in on this too. One of the things I struggle with, uh, because I do refuse to be that person, and, and you're right, I mean, I'll have a moment, you know, once a semester maybe, but like I'm not, a, I'm not a cruel human. I'm a loving, supportive human. But what that environment taught us was uh, the expectations uh, in, in the rehearsal room, in performance, it taught us through fear and some, in some situations, abuse. Uh, it taught us to be, um, how to respect those in authority, how to respect the process, how to be prepared, how to be on time. Because, you know, if, if we didn't do those things, we would suffer the consequences. We'd be mutilated, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and what I'm what I struggle with, and, and and this is me being authentic and vulnerable with the two of you is I, and our listeners, I suppose, I struggle with the fact that because I refuse to do to behave in that abusive way, how do we still teach our students how the 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 expectations, uh, the the level of respect and work ethic and and all of those things without using those tactics. I, I mean, you know, we can talk to them, we can, we can give positive reinforcement. Uh, they're not, it's not, it's, it, I sometimes feel like it's not as effective. I'm still not gonna do it, but I'm curious to hear from you because of this shared ancestry and please you two, uh, Kikau, chime in. How, how do we inspire our students to be their best version of themselves without using fear and that abuse that we suffered? That's a great question. Um, so, uh, you know, I will I will fully admit to you that um, <laughs> this seems like such a weird way to answer this. If I had not played Alphaba, I don't think 
I would have known how to do it. But because that role is so incredibly humbling, I was a different person on the other side of that green girl. And um, I will admit to you that when I first started teaching um, regularly, again in 2009, um, there were times when I did do that. Uh, not often, but you know, I there was that sort of like putting the fear of God in someone, right? Um, and I I have evolved because it actually was not yielding any sort of resort, re, excuse me, result um, that was positive because the generation that I was teaching was not as receptive to it as we were. I, I think, honestly, I think internet has a lot to do with that. Um, but it was just something that I, and I, it felt, I felt disingenuous because you know me, I am not that person either. And, and, you know, you started talking about this, this honestly abuse. And it's like, I spend, I try to spend not a lot of time thinking about it because I think back to my 14 year old self. And I just want to be like, you, you, I'm, I want to give her a hug. You know, I mean, it was, that, there, those were some, Yes, yes, it, it, it was very um, beneficial to a degree, but my God, there has to be a better way than that. And, um, and also now as a mom, you know, I, that, that has also changed me majorly. And I think what I, what I, you know, it's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? So I can tell my students and I am, I am open, I am open honest. I tell them the truth about things that I have been through and situations and how it made me feel. Um, there were actually, again, without naming names, there was a teacher here many years ago. This is not recent. And I ever heard this person say something about the weight of some of our female students and how they would not get work because of it. And I was not in charge at the time. I was creative director. And I said, you can never hire this person again? Absolutely not. Um, because that's a personal trigger for me. And I thought, my God, I don't want anyone to feel the way I felt. So how do we get these students to listen? I mean, I have to always remember I'm not their friend. I can be their friend when they graduate. Um, but I just need to be honest with them. And, you know, we, we have rules in place here. If you miss a class during the day without a you know, a doctor's note or a valid excuse, you, you can't attend rehearsal that night for the show. Uh, you know, so for me, it's like that, that's a way to teach um, responsibility, if you will. You know, we, you get a grade if you show up and you're not ready to work. I've asked students to, to sit out and, and I'm not going to work with them that day because I don't want to do their homework for them in class. Um, but I don't need to call them a name, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know, Maddie, it's, it's, um, there's no, there's no clear answer to that other than I think we both know that while you, and while we ended up being responsible people who show up on time or know our lines, who aren't divas, I think we both probably would have still gotten there without the abuse. 
I, I, I just believe that firmly. Kikau, do you have any thoughts on how to, how to teach that level of work ethic and responsibility without using fear or, um, I don't know. Yeah. Fear to, to, yeah, motivate. I, I do. I mean, I think, um, I completely agree with Christie's thoughts about how students themselves are holding a different kind of space for themselves. I mean, like really and truly, uh, as I'm, as I'm, uh, teaching this semester, I'm walking into a room that feels open and free, and um, and it really is driven by community agreements that we have. But but from the the students' point of view, um, I also will say something that I've really thought about is relying on craft, right? Um, really going back to the work um, because there is a difference between somebody who has done the work and someone who has not. And without spewing um, insults to somebody, it's just the, the, you're, the work is there. You're either singing the note exactly correct or we're playing some um, approximation game on the note, right? So there is a difference between those two. And so part of my job, I think, is not necessarily focusing on that person um, with whom I am coaching, but rather the people the, the students in the room who are also listening and watching and paying attention to everything I say and everything they do, um, uh, it can be done in the form of collaboration. It can be done in the form of, do you see what I see? What do you see? And how can you um, improve those, those critique skills as an audience member and then incorporate that into your performance? Um, I think we, we so often shine the spotlight to the person standing and getting a critique versus really sort of saying, hey, we are partners here. We are not friends, but I am here and I am an expert and I know, I know and I think I can help you get to where you need to get to. Um, and it is my, my voice is uh, subjective. My voice is only one of many. And if I can help you to, to improve even incrementally, then I will have done my job. I, and I, I think you really hit on something there. It's, it's a level of accountability. And I find, I find students holding each other much more accountable than I, uh, I felt in my own class that I was doing to my classmates or they were doing to me um, you know, 20 years ago. There's just, there's a higher level of accountability that um that exists yeah you know i'm wondering uh we, we've talked about the school part which is great and we can continue there but i'm wondering what your thoughts are about the industry um as it stands right i i've been maybe mistakenly referring to the industry as like a moving target like this challenge oh man this there's so many things that are changing and I'm starting to feel like it, it just is something that evolves and something that we're sitting in the middle of and, and here are all of these Sondheim revivals coming and here is, and so the preparation for our students has to evolve, but I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on just throwing out a general question, the industry at, at large and, and what you might be interested in talking about. Ooh, um, I think that um, there are some really great conversations happening. I think that I am seeing um, 
more representation um, in many ways on 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 the st the stages. Um, I I think that as a person preparing students to go into the industry. Um, again, I, I am not a person interested in fitting my students into certain boxes. So what I'm trying to do as an educator for this industry that is very difficult to like put your finger on right now, which is great. We are, we're existing at a time of, of great change is, is, you know, simply doing my best to empower these students to cultivate their own vision. Um, and, you know, of course, not putting aside the, the necessary skills to get one hired. I mean, obviously you need to have that. Um, but who am I to say that, um, my my student who I view in this way is not going to walk out and um, uh, follow the the prescribed path. You know, like that's I just don't think it's my right to do that. Um, so you know, wh what do I think of the industry at large? Well, I think that it's important for us as educators to be giving our students, um, and I say this carefully because I, 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 I find there is a fine line between empowerment and entitlement. Um, that is just, I want to empower my students as much as I can, but that cannot all of a sudden cross that line into entitlement. Um, so there, there, we do have to manage that, but, um, I think I, I, I'm going to be really honest with you, Kikau. I, I, I don't know. Like, what do I think of the industry right now? I don't know. I hear so much about change and I do see change in, in multitudes, but at the same time, I see the same old thing. So I think we're in a really um, interesting uh, uh, transitional period, moment of evolution. Um, I, I, I think the artists are ready to do the work. I think we're waiting for everybody else to catch up. So um, the program uh, that you, you chair, um, if, if, please correct all the things that I'm about to say that are incorrect. You, you, are a two, you have been a two-year program Right, we offer a one-year or a two-year conservatory program uh, certificate program. Yes. So, and but you're you're about to go through a major change with regards to what you offer. Talk to us a little bit about what that transition is and what led to it. Sure. So, um, we will still offer the one and two conserva two-year conservatory programs, um, which are really, really intensely focused on singing, dancing, acting. Um, as I said, we did voiceover this morning. The students have on-camera training, um, uh, I think today. I, I don't know the schedule by heart. Um, but, uh, you, you know, there, there's, that is what we can offer a student who maybe already has a degree, right? They want to come. They, maybe they have a degree in engineering. I don't know. And, and they're like, you know what? I really want to pursue my dream. I'm going to go to this one-year 
accelerated conservatory program where morning, noon, and night, I am singing, dancing, and acting. That we will still offer. Um, but we are also, I am thrilled to say, starting in fall of 2023, going to offer a BFA in musical theater. And it's still all the, um, the, the fundamental things that we offer in the two-year conservatory program um, just expanded and spread out over four years. Um, we will still do voiceover, we'll still, still do on-camera work, we will still do, um, you know, everything that, um, that we've, uh, you know, come to be known as, um, all taught by industry professionals. Um, it's just that now, if you desire that degree, you will also have to take some some LAS classes. But but all of these classes also like, it's not just history. It's history of the movies, or or history of the movie musical, or um, you know, our our all of our uh, what am I trying to say? What are those called? The general education thank like, you yeah. the general education uh the ed general education classes are geared toward performers so um yeah and, and you'd be you know our, our students will be taking those gen ed classes with the other departments acting for film filmmaking um here on campus and uh and yeah i yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited. We worked really hard to create an exciting, um, inclusive, unique curriculum. And I think we've done that. And, and I'm, I'm really excited to be chairing, I can't even hardly believe it, a BFA in musical theater in New York City, in an office, I'm gonna brag now, in an office that overlooks the Statue of Liberty. I mean, my goodness gracious, like, Oh, I pinch me. It's it's amazing. So, Christy, what I tell, I mean, what you were doing seemed to be working. Uh, what so talk about why you decided to make this? What seems like a pretty enormous project for yourself. <laughs> well, it wasn't just me. I mean, we are definitely had the input of and um, you know expertise of uh, of our Broadway faculty uh, members. Um, it was definitely a group effort. Um, why did we decide to do this? Well, if I'm being perfectly honest, we were losing students we really wanted because they wanted a degree. And um, two years is a good amount of time to uh, teach someone everything they know they need to know about, you know, the performance and industry of musical theater, but it's frankly not enough time. I mean, in my opinion, I, I, I unless you know, that if that's what you want, then absolutely we are here to support you and here to give you the best program possible. But there's just so much more time and growth in a four-year program. And I feel like sometimes we just get to the meat of a student's ability and passion and, and awareness and um, all of that good stuff. And then off they graduate. And uh, again, if that's what the student wants to do, we will absolutely support it. But I think a four-year program where you can go away for the summer and, and work, uh, do summer stock, all of that, I think at the end of the day, um, it's it's just the right, it's it's the right path for us. Yeah. I actually think there's like some science to this. I don't even really know, but just that prefrontal 
cortex lobe. It's like that idea of development and how learning something over two years is something and amazing, but doing something over four and dedicating that time to it, I think you're you're absolutely right on. I think the coolest thing is that someone can do either of those things. Like that is incredible. Um, and uh, you you stand alone in terms of programs that I'm familiar with that have such an emphasis on um, on camera acting, right? To me, that's a a large hole in lots of programs, um, especially with what is coming out now, right? There, I'm thinking of the Ariana DeBoses and the the folks that are the the Broadway folks who are um, finding themselves on our TV screens um, or hosting award shows, et cetera, or winning Emmys, geez, winning Emmys. Um, so I just, I love that evolution. Um, I'm not even sure if there's a question in here, but no, I just I want mean, to well, comment on all these things. I'm like, it's so excited. We're connected to a film school. It's sort of a no brainer, right? You know, our students, I think our film students do like a hundred short films their first year. And our students are able to audition for and participate in when they have time, those, those, uh, those movies. So yeah, I, like I was saying earlier, I just, I want to prepare my students for whatever opportunity comes their way, right? If we can prep you here, then your chance for success in this business is multiplied, right? So, so yeah, thank you for saying that. I, I think it is something that, that makes us unique and special and interesting and different. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to downplay it by saying we're sort of a one-stop shop, but, you know, you want to learn it all. I would want to learn it all. Come on over, you know. Are you all able to do um, full productions as well or? Oh, yeah, we yeah, are. Uh, we are. Uh, we have auditions and callbacks next week for the Adams Family. That is our fall main stage musical. We have a, and you know, we're here down here in Battery Park. We have the fourth and fifth floor uh, that are classrooms, edit lab, shooting, you know, rooms, voiceover room. Um, and then on the first floor, we have a theater. So, yeah. What is that like? Is there added pressure when your students aren't just doing their fall production of The Addams Family, but they're doing it in New York City? Like, is that, does that, does it feel the same as when we were at Cincinnati doing a main stage musical? You know, I, I, I had anticipated being asked this question um, and I was thinking about it, right? So, so the difference between, I mean, at Cincinnati Conservatory, I mean, those are Broadway level productions, but you have all those supporting departments within your school, right? You have um, a huge uh, a shop, you have stage, manage, stage managing, um, stage manager students, stage management students, wow. Um, you have, you have all of the students who are studying different instruments who play in the pit, you know, it's, it's, um, we don't have those supporting departments here. That is, that is 100% a challenge. But the cool thing is, is that I get to hire in contractors who, um, you know, our costume designer has worked on multiple Broadway shows and our um, our lighting designer is designing the lights for the Macy's uh, holiday windows. And, you know, so it's just one more way to connect us with the industry at large. Um, and is there added pressure? Sure. I mean, you never know who's going to show up 
to see the production. Uh, and that's exciting. You know, that's, that's, that's really, really exciting to know that at any moment, um, a casting director from Telsey might come or a, the writer of the show. I mean, you know, Adam's family, I know we already have um, set up through our director a, uh, a talk back during rehearsals with Andrew Lippa. So um, we're able to do a lot being in, here in New York City. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's yes, is, yes, is there pressure? Yes, is it harder to get rights to things? Yes. I always have to wait longer, I feel like, than, than other teacher uh, programs I know to get the rights because in New York, there's just that extra layer. Um, but it's thrilling. It's wonderful and, and, and it's great. I mean, yeah. I also imagine it's easy for students, and I'm sure you have maybe policies around this, but for, for them to be training with you by day and then to, to go to auditions um, and maybe book and maybe go out on tours and things. So um, how do you handle that kind of thing? The, the working it, it, student. It honestly has happened less than you, than you imagine. And I think probably because it's a one or two year program. I feel like people are like, you know, I, I want, I'm committed to this and I, and I want to finish. I'll be interested to see if that changes in the, in the BFA. Um, I mean, students, it, it is uh, not required, but it is suggested <laughs> uh, that they come have a conversation with me before they go to the audition. I mean, my gosh, they might, there might be the perfect role for them. And I've been friends with the person casting it for 20 years, right? Like use me please. <laughs> um, because I have, you know, I have been here as I, you know, take a drag off my cigarette for, you know, 20, 20, the, oh my, 23 years, um, as have so many of my, my faculty here. So, um, no, we want to be used as tools. Um, you know, once these students are in, in the rooms, um, to get to the rooms, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it happens far less far less than you think that a lot of opportunities they will seize as they come toward the end of their second year. Um, but for the most part, our students are like, are understanding that they are still um, a work in progress. Yeah. So we're getting pretty close to being out of time and we, we end every episode by asking our guests if they have any recommendations for our listeners. Um, now, obviously we have listeners, uh, all kinds of different people that listen, but primarily those that are teachers, that are uh, musical theater teachers. Do you have any resources or, or ideas or things that you would recommend to, uh, to our listeners? Yes, I'm looking one thing up because I don't wanna tell you the wrong name because you wouldn't mind just giving me one second sorry no i love this it's important i do i'm like we've let's say the real thing yes okay. give the real information so good <laughs> so um first of all i have three if that's okay I'll, I'll be quick about them the first thing is and i just think this is fun for our listeners to hear and will be fun for you to hear too maddie is um I went, I was Shoshana Bean's date to opening night of Hairspray on Broadway. And they gave us the coolest swag bag at the after party. And in it was a book that I, I think other people have possibly mentioned, um, but it is called The War of Art. And 
it is a fascinating book. Um, I encourage everyone to read it, but it challenges you as an artist, um, how you think, how you perceive the world around you, how you perceive yourself. And I love the original edition had a little tiny mirror on the front of it, which was just to me like you're reading it and you really have to look at yourself. Anyway, um, I read that, literally finished it the week before I booked Wicked. So I feel like it's good luck. So that's number one. Uh, number two is another book. It's called 50 Key Stage Musicals. It is by actually one of our faculty members, Robert W. Schneider. He is the director of Adam's Family. But what I love about this book is that I feel like in order to know where we're going, we need to know where we've been. So Rob has taken these, what he deems 50 key musicals um, in our history of musical theater that, um, that have a sort of undiscovered, um, I don't wanna use the word ramifications, but things you would never even think oh, this musical did this. We all know Oklahoma. We all know all of those. But what I love about the way Rob has, has structured this is that it, it challenges what you think you know about the history of our art. And each chapter is written by um, a different person. So you're getting unique views on all of these things. Uh, and not to, you know, not a conflict of interest here, hopefully, but Rob also does a podcast on each of the chapters. So I, I just think it's a really unique way to look at the history of musical theater. And the final one is, is an Instagram, um, Instagram, I guess you would say personality. Um, her name is Mina B. So it's M-I-N-A-A underscore B. And she posts things about recognizing your boundaries, about looking at things from a different perspective. And every time I see one of her posts, I think, oh my gosh, I needed that today. So like the one from the other day is, if you wonder if you're growing, it's possible your growth manifested as you speaking up and learning to ask questions, like simple things that you're like, oh yeah, but you look at it and you're able to put it into words. Um, and I just think, if you're going to follow someone non-musical theater related on Instagram, she's, she's got some real good stuff there. Awesome list. That's so great. Perfect. I don't know. I, Kiko, I, th I think this was a pretty good episode. What do you think? I think it was great. I'm so excited that we had an opportunity to chat. <laughs> Christy's an absolute rock star. As she's listening, listing all of these things that the program is doing, I'm like, so when you're done taking over the world, uh, <laughs> what will you do? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Christy, it's nice to have an excuse to, to connect. Um, you're amazing. I, I love... I love what you're doing. I'm proud of you. I love you. Um, and um, yeah, any Kikau, any any final thoughts or words? No, I'm just excited to touch back in with you, touch base with you when everything is a go in in fall of 23 to be like, how is it going? What's what's going on with the with the BFA? So very Thank very cool. You. Yeah, good luck I'm with really that. Excited. Thank you guys so much. And Maddie, adore you always. <laughs> Always this September, yes, is is well. No, we've just reached thirty-one years. So thirty-one happy anniversary. happy anniversary, love. Yeah. We made it. 
we look at us now. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> nice to meet you, Kikau. So nice to meet you as well. Thank you. Cool. I think uh, that's a wrap. The Maddie and Kikau podcast show. The Maddie and Kikau show. The Maddie and Kikau podcast show. Music for Carefully Taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit joshuahaigmusic.com.